Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, episode 144, and I promise it won't be gross. Get it? I hope you got it. In any case, Eric and I had a great conversation with Louise Keller, the National Training Manager for UEI Test Instruments. We share a lot of common ground and philosophy with Louise on education and proper application of test and measurement products in the HVACR and building performance industries. In this interview, Eric and Louise literally shared the same common ground they were standing on in this interview, which was conducted at the TrueTech West Studio in Indianapolis, Indiana. I bet you Eric doesn't even know I named his studio until he hears this podcast. Does he even listen? We'll have to find that out. We learned how Louise's work experience has perfectly tailored her for her current role at UEI and what it's like to work for a large family business. We also discuss how women are still underrepresented in the HVAC industry, making up only about 2% of the workforce. And we settle in on a number of things that can be done to encourage more women to enter the HVAC industry, such as providing more opportunities for women to learn about the industry, creating more mentorship programs for women, and promoting the HVAC industry as a viable career option for women. The HVAC industry is definitely changing, technically and the people in it, and becoming more inclusive. And there are more opportunities than ever for women to succeed in this field. We also referenced Jennifer Monzo and the HVA Chicks, who came on to talk with us in episode 129. Women should not be afraid to pursue careers in the HVAC industries, and they should know that there's a supportive community of women who are out there to help them succeed. I'll have some links in the show notes that'll help you further explore this topic. Okay, let's get into this interview with Louise Keller from UEI and find out how her life has actually been tailor-made for training in the trades. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Kaiser, and virtually next to me today is Bill Spohn. And literally, literally sitting next to me today is Louise Keller from UEI Instruments. Welcome, Louise. Thank you for having me. Do you guys live near each other or something or what's going on? We are close. It's close by probably, what, about 10, 15 minutes away? A little bit longer than that, but not too bad. Not too bad. So same basic city. Yeah. So I knew Louise was coming on the show today and I call, I sent her a message and I said, hey, why don't you just come over here? I've got a studio. I've got the gear all set up. We can just do this in person and have a good time today. So here yeah. we are. It's always nicer to be a little bit more in proximity of somebody. Virtuals are great, but sometimes it's actually nice to be able to see the person that you're chatting with. Sure is. Louise, some people may know you because you do a lot of training, so you get in front of a lot of people on a regular basis, but not everyone does. So can you introduce what you're doing and how you got to the role that you're in now? Sure. Let me give you a little bit of background about myself. So I've been with UEI Test Instruments for just a little over eight years now. My background, though, getting here is a little bit different. It seems to be a common story. I don't know how many people jumped into the HVAC world and said, oh, that's what I want to do right out of high school. I think it's a thing that a lot of people have just fallen into over the years. I knew somebody, I had a buddy, my dad did this, my grandpa did this, my uncle did this. I didn't think I'd do it, but now I'm here and I really, really love it. But for those who aren't familiar with my background, my background was actually a lot of big box retail store and retail management. I did that for about 11 years of my life. 
moved into the optical field and worked there for a couple of years and then got presented an opportunity when Indianapolis UEI had opened up about eight years ago. So my background, nothing in the HVAC world, but it fits with how my job descriptions have gone over the years. My years in retail, I actually worked in the men's department. And I sold men's suits for a long time. And then I was a manager in the men's department. And if you knew my family and you knew my dad, my dad was not a dress-up kind of guy. So I did not grow up in a world of a guy that wore a suit and tie. He was like, I'm going to go ahead and buy a new pair of black pants and a shirt that I don't have to tuck in. That was my dad. That's how he rolled. So to sell men's suits was really, really foreign to me. But I did really well with that. I really had a good time in my time there. Uh, moved into the optical world and I knew I needed glasses to see, but I didn't really know anything about manufacturers, how the lenses work, all of that type of stuff. I just know I put them on, they work for me or they don't. Then I came over to UEI Test Instruments and I didn't know you have a thermostat, you turn it on, you get hot or you get cold. That was my background into the HVAC world. But over the last eight years, I've really been able to grow that, grow my knowledge base. And it's fascinating to see how wide this industry is. And you don't realize how in-depth the HVAC industry is until you're really, really there. There are so many opportunities within this industry from the design aspect to the actual install aspect to the repair aspect. And it's so fascinating. And I personally am a lifelong learner. Like you can never know everything about everything. So there's something new. And we're in some really interesting times right now because the industry is speeding up exponentially with the new regulations that are coming out just the perception between gas and electrification and the new ranges that everything has to fall into. And it's been a great journey. And I can't wait to see where the industry is going to go in the next 12 years is a mile marker, right? 2035. And then we got 2050 coming up. And I can't imagine how different this industry is going to look when we get there. That's a really interesting story. And thank you for sharing that. And None of it surprised me because I've known you for a while. But actually, like some of the facts surprised me, like the men's suits in the eyeglass optical field. The men's suits, I have a theory here that that experience plays into your work today because you have a variety of products that address different needs, different shapes and sizes of equipment, different needs, and you have to understand what the customer's looking for. Can you expand on that a little? No, absolutely. Everything is a little bit different and you have to dive down. So there's basics. Everything in the world has some basics, like a suit. It has some lapels, it has some buttons, you have some pants that are going to go with it, belt loops, all those good things. But how it fits, how does this really interact? How do materials interact with each other? It's very similar. We have different equipment manufacturers that we're dealing with. They all have little bit of different things. They all have, like when we're talking about a furnace and we're talking about like a gas furnace, we know that combustion is going to happen. But how does that combustion, as far as where do they set their specs for that combustion to be the most efficient on there? Where are they going to set their pressures? What are they specifically looking for? How do those boards interact differently? When you're troubleshooting, is it I just replace a board or are we actually going to go into some of that diode testing? So it's an expansion upon the basics that you just keep building and building and building until you have in the retail world of men's, yeah, until you had the complete suit and you had the outfit that you could interchange. 
now we're talking about having the right tools and what are the right tools. And so contractors are going to start out with some really basic things. Hopefully, they're going to have their meter. They're going to have a manometer. They're going to expand to being able to have some of their leak detectors. They're going to expand, okay, I'm working a lot on the cooling side of things. So now I'm going to make sure that I have the hubs, the scales, those type of things. And if I'm working on gas, I need to have carbon monoxide detection, combustion analyzers. So it's just a constant building upon the basics until you have the complete outfit. I think we always make assumptions. We might assume people know, oh, UEI, Eric and I know UEI. Of course, Louise, you know UEI and the products, but maybe all our listeners haven't heard the range of products. You start to rattle off a few, but maybe break down those into a couple of categories because I find like sometimes people have old understanding of things and it might date back years or decades and they just haven't been exposed to an update. Give us an update. Where's UEI active across the spectrum in HVAC? So really, when you look at UEI test instruments, we are a full-line manufacturer. So whether you're looking on the cooling side, you're looking on the heating side, or you're looking for those products that are going to straddle both of those, those are things that we manufacture. A lot of our focus and a lot of my training that people have been able to see over the years has really focused on carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide detection, and combustion analysis. That has been a strong suit of UEI test instruments over many, many years. And one of the other really nice things, if you're not familiar with UEI test instruments, is that we are our own manufacturer of those. So they are made in our factories over in the UK for us, which is really nice because it provides us a lot of latitude. It provides us to be able to make changes, to be able to do things and make sure that we're getting the right products into the contractor's hands. The next thing that we put a lot of focus on and a lot of my trainings have focused on is clamp meters. Clamp meters are the basic of what every contractor needs to be able to have in his or her bag. We worked on our clamp meters, which again are also made in our own factories that we own in South Korea, which is another nice component of UEI test instruments. And then we also have cooling products. So we have like wireless refrigerant gauge sets, such as our hub series. And then we have wireless scales, micron gauges, those type of things. We put a lot of focus on it's the portable handheld test instruments for the contractor. Very good. Do you find that there's a good understanding of the brand out there, like the brand presence? I think I know the answer, but I'd like to hear you you say like the brand presence in the U.S. and Canada. What do you think about that? We definitely have a brand presence in the U.S. and Canada, obviously always trying to grow and expand on that. UEI Test Instruments as a company has been around since 1967, but Kane as the larger organization has actually been around since 1954. There's always room, no matter what brand you are, there's always room for expansion and being able to get more out there, which is one of the things that we'll be focusing on in the upcoming year. So Eric... And you have both gotten to meet me and I've always talked about how I've worn two different hats for UEI test instruments. I've worn a a central regional sales manager hat and I've worn a national trainer hat for the last couple of years. That's actually going to change starting January 1st of 2024. I will go to a full-time trainer role because I think what we're seeing in the industry and that plays with how the training is working in the industry is that because things are changing so quickly... The evolution of the industry is happening so quickly that a large focus is going to be on training and how can we better help our technicians that are out there. 
You touched upon the legacy of Kane and UEI. I'll put in the show notes a link back to your boss's podcast interview, Michael Kane. Because nobody can tell that story better than Michael Kane. He really does. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story. That's a really cool story. And people need to appreciate the legacy. And it's not a new brand. It's probably older than you are, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them, probably. And that means that it's still a family-owned brand too, right? Correct. We are a second-generation family-owned business. I have to say, I told you my background being in a retail setting. I can't ever imagine that I would have ever talked to the CEO or president of the big box retailer I work for. But I can tell you it would not be uncommon for Michael Kane to just give me a call or a text or a quick email when he wants feedback or has a question or something like that. And I think that also makes the culture of the company that you work for is being able to have that access, to be able to have those conversations and know how active they really truly are in the industry. And it means a lot to me. So between a corporate world or a small family-owned business, I would go with a family-owned business hands down because it's just a different culture. Well, and that probably gives you an insight too and the whole company a little bit of an insight into a lot of your customers because a lot of those customers out there, the, the technicians, the contractors are also family-owned businesses. They're maybe a couple generations, maybe first generation, maybe third, who knows? Absolutely. And it is true that a lot of our customers on the wholesale end or on the contractor end are family-owned businesses. And I think you can understand that though. Working at TrueTech, you get a little insight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, get a little insight. My, a little you insight. Know, my boss, he calls me up sometimes or sends me a message and says, hey, Hey, what you doing? <laughs> what do you think about this? It's nice to get that. What do you think about this from the owner of a company? Absolutely. I think it makes a whole world a difference and it gives you a better perspective of things and being able to have some of that input or, hey, I heard this. What are we doing? Or those type of things. Those aren't conversations that you get to have when you're in a big box retail store because they don't care. But Michael Kane at UEI, he cares. That's awesome. Erica, you're probably the best one to take this next line of discussion about training and evolving needs, evolving resources. And I think Louise has got some thoughts there. Why don't you explore that? I think she doesn't. And I got some other questions for her too here in a little bit, but I've seen some of your training. Obviously, I haven't seen all of it because I can't be everywhere all at once. What? <laughs> what trainings are you guys really offering right now as far as for contractors and where do you see that going? Obviously, if you're stepping into that role full time, yeah. that's going to expand, I'm assuming, more volume of the same trainings, but maybe we see some new trainings as well. Yeah, I don't want to give away all the secrets okay. before, right. before it happens. As we're going down that path, I mentioned that a lot of my training has focused on the dangers of carbon monoxide and combustion analysis. That seems to be a hot button in the industry and maybe one of the most misunderstood trainings that are out there. We've been doing a variety. We have some real new videos that dropped that are just the 45 seconds of how-tos on a variety of our combustion products, even just as simple as something like navigation of it or how do I do a combustion test? Because doing a combustion test or changing the navigate doesn't really seem like it should be difficult, but there's a perception that things are more difficult sometimes than what they truly are. So we tried to focus and break it down to make it as simple as possible. There's been on-site trainings, doing some hybrid trainings as well, where I get to be, because like you, I can't be everywhere all at once. 
some hybrid trainings where I've gotten piped in and maybe I've had one of our local representatives being able to be there to do some of the on-site more hands-on. And I think you'll see a lot more of training content coming from us over the next year in some different platforms. That's very cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what all you guys can come out with. Yeah. We're always also taking suggestions. If you come back and you think of something that might be really, really cool, let me know. I know this year at HVAC Excellence, we'll be talking about testing flame rod rectification. Oh, So that's one that we haven't really delved into. We have all the meters that will do that and help you assist in that, but we haven't actually done a training. So that's a little bit of a new one for us. I'm pretty active with the ESCO organization and HVAC Excellence, and they do a great job. And I think you can see in the industry, though, how much training people are craving. Like, I've been going to that. I think this will be my third year going to it. And I think their attendance has just kept skyrocketing and skyrocketing and skyrocketing. And I think at some point, they're not going to be able to hold it there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That may be true. And you're right. It has gone up. I think they set a record year last year for Mm -hmm. that. I haven't heard what's going to happen this year, but I would imagine that there will be hopefully equally as many people attending this year for those trainers to really learn how to go out and train people at their schools or distributors in various places. Now, you're a little bit unique, and I'm just going to say this, in the HVAC field as being a woman trainer and especially a woman doing technical training is pretty rare in this industry. How have you found that? What challenges have you seen going into that? I think you nailed it on the head there. I generally describe myself as a little bit of a unicorn in the industry. It's not uncommon for my day, right? I could do multiple trainings, see multiple customers, and there's nobody else that looks like me around there, right? (laughs) Because I'm that unicorn that's in the field. Overall, though, I would say it's been really, really good. You always have your obstacles. I just saw that they released the top women in HVAC just the other day. And it was interesting going through because they asked all of them the same questions. And a lot of it related to what difficulties and challenges have you had in the industry. It was basically the unicorn complex is what I would say is that you didn't see anybody else that was like you in your day to day for the most part. It's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better even in my eight years being here. There's some advantages, though, that I will tell you about being a woman trainer and getting to go to the conferences. When you go to a conference, it's the only time I never have to wait in line for a bathroom. (laughs) So there are some (laughs) bonuses that happen by being a woman trainer. Like It's the only event that I get to go to that that doesn't happen. Unheard of. (laughs) I think we're going to have to change that. We need a lot more women in here. So the bathroom lines are equal, folks. Oh, no, no, no. I got to tell you, I love it. Like when I get to go through and you guys are still waiting, I'm like, that's some payback right there. (laughs) But in all seriousness, there are definitely some challenges being a woman in the industry. There's a perception that I might not know what I'm talking about. You hear it on phone calls sometimes when somebody doesn't know who you are. Well, can I talk to somebody who knows about that? You are. (laughs) But I think it's more than just our industry. There's a special challenge in there in anything that has to do with the trades. But as I said, overall, it's been a, a very welcoming. Occasionally, you get the guy. I love doing a show with one of my reps here in Indiana. He'll defer to me on something and they'll look at him and go, "Ah, she explains that pretty well for a girl. And... 
<laughs> wow. I've heard it. It truly, and he'll just look at him and he's a great guy to work with, but he'll just look at him and go, well, I hope so. She's my boss. And watching the facial expressions. Again, though, I think that that's a lot of perception. It's a lot of perception that a woman in this industry, they don't really exist. They are mythical. Yeah, I'd say that they're definitely in the minority still. And uh, I'm glad to see it growing. I'm glad to see that you've seen it changing. I've dug into this a little bit. My wife, you've seen Rachel around some. And a funny thing, she said almost exactly the same thing about the bathroom lines, too. (laughs) (laughs) She said AHR is great to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of perks right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're correct. Even outside the industry, some there's still problems, but we're not alone in seeing this. But it's very encouraging to me to hear that you've seen changes and positive changes and been welcomed into the industry. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah. I think it's going to get better as we look at things, the recruitment, the perception, because I talk a lot to schools and it's when you don't see somebody that's sitting at that table that looks like you? Is that the industry for you? Is that where I want to go? And I think as we see more women entering the HVAC field, we'll see that continue to change. It's a big ship to turn. You don't turn those big ships overnight. Right. Because it also becomes where does that perception come from? Is it from TV? Is it from movies? Is it from just that's all you've ever seen? Is it from maybe the guidance counselors, maybe taking those tests that you have to take when you're in school? Where does it focus people? And the HVAC industry, you look at it, it's very slatted. I think they said maybe about 2% of the industry is actually women, which sounds pretty accurate to me. But if you look at maybe nursing about 30 years ago, it was probably about the same thing. They had to write that ship. The STEM that we've talked about, they've started to write that ship a little bit. Because as people become more visible in the industry, you start thinking, oh, maybe that is something that I want to get into. Maybe that is something that is for me that you may not have ever thought about. Do you have anything you could recommend to help write that ship, to change that direction? Anything you do personally or recommend others do with regard to women in the trades? I think there's some things that I definitely work towards working with the schools, talking to, we're trying to figure out how to get in and talk to more guidance counselors because Just the trades in general have been put on the back burner by a lot of the schools and a lot of the trade schools. And it wasn't necessarily a viable thing that they were pushing kids towards. We're starting to see that ship change. Now that we're starting to see that changing a little bit, it's don't just focus on, oh, you're a guy, so you should go into the mechanics, the welding, the HVAC world. Oh, You're a woman, you need to go into the nursing, the hygienist, the things like that, because they're all trades. It's just they tend to split them and they don't talk about it. Nobody ever talked to me about the HVAC industry. It wasn't because I didn't have mechanical aptitude. It wasn't because it's because of those perceptions, though, that they just steer you in these paths. And I think with the next generations, we're starting to see a little bit more breaking of that. But I think it really starts at the school level. It starts from the parents. It starts with the guidance counselors. It starts with the trade schools. It starts with the big contractors. I think even if you start looking at some of the advertising that you'll see for some of the big contractors, you'll start to see a little bit more diversity across what they're showing. And I think those are all important things because those are things that get ingrained in us even at a small age. 
do you think that maybe needs to start even sooner than like your high school guidance counselors, things like that? Should we be starting to go into middle school and grade school and show those ages that trades are maybe a viable option so that they can help make that decision when they get to high school? Absolutely. I mean, I think you can never start too early. I mean, think about it like five-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't even really know what it was. You saw the big picture, what was on TV or what was maybe in a movie or what was in the cartoon. And it wasn't really feasible to be like one of Darkwing Duck's sidekicks. But, (laughs) (laughs) wow, you know, throwback. (laughs) Well, you know, you're following along though. But you watch those things and you see, and unfortunately, a lot of those shows are even very gender oriented. Like, oh, you're. So now you have to go into this industry. And so I think it's societal, but the younger that we can start it and make it sound and look like a viable career. And people don't also realize HVAC is just so much more than just being a technician, just being an install. I was never a technician. I wasn't on the install side. I wasn't a contractor. But there's sales, there's design, there's manufacturing. There's just a whole world of things that are out there that are available. And I don't know if we really show that. And I know when we're in school, there's only so much of an industry that they can show. But I think people just don't realize. And the HVAC industry is so many things combined. I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at the HVAC industry, it involves science. It involves technology. And that technology side is just growing like crazy. It involves some engineering. And you know what? There's an art. Because think about it, there is nothing more beautiful if you could walk into a large house and every room is perfect temperature, you never have to worry about it. That's a thing of beauty. That is art. So how many industries get to say that's where all of those things collide together? And the math, too. So you got steam. And the math. Yeah. And that really is an art. Unfortunately, it's an invisible art. That's, I guess, a sensory art. Mm -hmm. It's invisible. How can we show that to people? That's something I've often wondered. How can we showcase that better so that more people understand what an art that is? I think that's a good question. We might have to circle back to that one. (laughs) Podcast number two. (laughs) So we actually had on the podcast a few weeks ago, Jennifer Manzo from HVA Chicks, who Eric met. If you don't know about her, Louise, uh, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about her role in the industry as a female. Yeah. So Jennifer and her husband own a company up in Maine and she runs the HVA Chicks Coalition, which is all about helping. Realistically, she'll help anybody get into the trade, but she likes to help, especially women. And she'll provide guidance to them. She's got a number of services and she offers free training to anybody through the HV. I think it's hvachicks.com. You can can actually find out about it. There's Facebook group. They do have that website now. That's a new thing that just came about in the past couple weeks when, from when we're recording this, not when it's going to air. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of a delay there. But she's really done a fantastic job of setting up this coalition to help people find, she will help find daycare services in different areas, help them with struggles in the industry, say if they're having a problem maybe with somebody not treating them well. And I've been really impressed seeing some of the things that she's been doing in that organization. We're supporting them. I think there's some calendars that we have now 
yeah, we bought a bunch of calendars. We're going to do something with them. But Louise, I just wanted to mention and encourage you to connect with Jennifer. Oh, absolutely. I think the other thing about this industry, though, is it's a small industry. It's a large industry on the outside, but when you really dig down deep, it's a pretty small industry. Yeah, the deeper I've gone into this industry personally, the smaller it gets. (laughs) We are the six degrees of separation. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) There's a lot of truth in that. (laughs) And it might be down to three at this point. That's how small it is. We're not going to have Kevin Bacon on this show, though. No, We're not? No, I don't think so. I thought that's how you got me here. You told me Kevin Bacon was going to be here. Oh. No, that's Jim Bergman makes good bacon. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I got a little confused. Wrong bacon. (laughs) Sorry. In your years of training, exposure people, something memorable from a class, an event, either funny or meaningful, but just something that sticks out in your years of doing that. There are probably a lot of stories that come out, but stories that may be appropriate. um, All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really interesting, though, doing like combustion and CO detection, because I've done that class hundreds of times across the country. And one of the things, though, that I found is at the end of every class, somebody runs up to me inevitably and tells me their own personal dangers of CO story. That's a consistent theme that I see over my time is that everybody has a story, and but they never really talk about it until they get to the class. It blows my mind. One of my favorite ones, though, since we're talking about being a woman trainer, I was out at a wholesaler and I was getting ready to do some training and the guy looked at me and he goes, are you doing the training? I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going. Yes, I'm going to be your trainer. I'm, I'm Louise Keller with UEI Test Instruments. And his face lit up and he was so excited. And he goes, we need more people like you in the industry. Then he turned his head and he looked, he goes, we need more brothers and we need more women in this industry. And I was like, I'm not going to disagree with you. And we had a great time. It was one of those enlightening because I thought it was going to go one way and it totally went a completely different way than I expected. Yeah. There's a lot of that half beat between sentences and phrases where things can go all kinds of directions. That was fantastic. Do you have any Closing thoughts for our listeners here, our podcast listeners. The thing that I would say is just as you're out there, keep making sure that we're encouraging the next generation. We're making sure that it's a viable space because with the industry changing, we need more technicians. We already know that we're in a shortage of it. But I got to do the little plug for UEI test instruments, making sure that you have the right tools, because as we're in that shortage, if you have tools that aren't going to be working for you, you're not going to be working as effectively. Yeah. And technology makes a big difference today in how fast we can do things and how well we can do things, too. It's phenomenal. Think about how much we have learned. If you would have told me in 2018 that I would be sitting here doing a podcast or I would be doing hybrid trainings across the country, I would have never believed you. (laughs) I've been like, yeah, that's not going to fly. But if we learned anything from the Tiger King days, i.e. the pandemic, we have learned that technology is our friend and we really need to embrace it. But it, it makes our life simpler in a lot of different ways. Can we just call that the Tiger King era? Should that be a thing? I think it should be. I mean, it's one of the things that I enjoy talking about. (laughs) I just want to explore that. Just like, where does that come from? (laughs) Sometimes it beats calling it, we got burnt out. We got burnt out during the pandemic. And we got tired of hearing the word pandemic. 
So if we say in the days of the Tiger King, it brings a little bit of levity to the situation for us. Awesome. I am stealing that. Thank you. You are welcome. Pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for joining Eric there, making him feel less lonely in his little studio. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice little studio that we have going on over here. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I might have to hire him to build one at my house. There you go. Good luck. (laughs) You're going to have to fight my wife for that. (laughs) All right. I'm not prepared for that. I think Rachel could take me. So, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being on again. Thanks, Eric, for being co-host here. We look forward to having our listeners back next time on Building HVAC Science. We appreciate you spending your time listening to the Building HVAC Science podcast, where we help to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Some of the links in the show notes include a link to Louise's LinkedIn profile, UEI test products, UEI test products at True Tech Tools, for sale at True Tech Tools, and the group called Women in HVACR. There's a link to that organization also in the show notes. I also host the ResTalk podcast, and you can learn more about home energy ratings, and peripheral topics in that world. And if you like what you heard today and you're not subscribed, please consider doing so by subscribing to the podcast. If you're interested in sharing with us any opinions or topics or suggestions, please reach out to marketing at truetechtools.com. Some of the topics we discuss require technical training for proper interpretation and and or safe execution. So if you're a trained pro, you can go right ahead. If you're not, please consult with and hire a pro. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech. The opinions voiced are those of my guests or myself, depending on who is speaking, of course. And if you're in the market for any tools or test instruments mentioned in the podcast, Take a look at what True Tech Tools carries, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S dot com. You can also use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. As always, we thank you for listening and following us on the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Until next time, take care. Take care.